Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fuckadelics? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is the podcast, WTF, with me, Mark Marin. Welcome. Welcome to it. I'm getting emails from new people. Welcome, new people. Hang out. Get the hang of it. Introduce yourself to the person next to you. Maybe say your name. How's it going? Uh, you're, you're not alone here. This is a relatively safe space. Relatively safe space. There's the name of my next CD. This is a relatively safe space. How's everybody? All right. Look, a couple of things out of the gate here. My guest is Terry Cruz. I recorded it a couple weeks ago. I'm not exactly sure the nature of the controversy around America's Got Talent at this juncture in time, but we did not talk about it. Uh, so there you go. There's that. I'm off. Uh, I'm going away tomorrow. I'm going to Atlanta to do my final day of shooting on Respect, the Aretha Franklin biopic I'm doing with Marlon Wayans and uh, uh, Jennifer Hudson. And then off to Cleveland for the first day of this uh, small jaunt that me and Delray are doing. Uh, uh, That's going to be Cleveland, Ohio uh, at the Agora on January 30th. I believe that's a Thursday. And I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan at the Fountain Street Church, January 31st. Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Turner Hall Ballroom on February 1st. Me and Dino are driving to those. You know, we're flying. I'm flying into Cleveland. Hopefully uh, we'll eat at the greenhouse if... uh, if uh, Sawyer can take care of us over there, which I think he, I don't know, it's Thursday night. It's been around a while. How crowded could it be? I love that place. Don't know if I'll get a pig's head, but uh, I always have good food there. And I know Dean will be into it. I haven't talked to him about it. And then, uh, so the next day we drive out to Grand Rapids and we drive to Milwaukee and I fly back home for a bit. Then I'm off to Orlando, Florida at Hard Rock Live on February 14th. Tampa's doing fine at the Straz. The Straz is going to happen big. Uh, Portland, Maine, going to be there at the State Theater, February 20th. Providence, Rhode Island, Columbus Theater, February 21st. Coming full circle. Going to finally make a, get some closure with the city where my my uh, my Toyota Twin Cam 16 was stolen. That red car that I got for a good deal in Albuquerque, New Mexico from a guy that used to be a guitar player in a band named Jerry. New Haven, Connecticut at College Street Music Hall on February 22nd. 
Huntington, New York at the Paramount, February 23rd. Go to WTFPod.com slash tour for links to all the venues. Uh, not, there's a couple of things I got to take care of. I, you know, I've not been mentally great. All right. You know, there's problem like I it's a day to day struggle for me to sort of adapt to the facts. Look, we're going to do what we can, but it looks like authoritarianism is taking hold. And that's just a reality. I know many of you are like, well, I don't know if it's going to affect me, really. You can go on thinking that and, and you know, wait it out. Like maybe you think it'll be OK for a few years and maybe you'll feel like it's OK for a few years. And then maybe you'll start saying things like, what happened to that guy who used to work here? What happened to that guy? What happened to this whole neighborhood? Who are the, What happened to those people that used to used to see outside down there? What happened to, I, you know, it still doesn't affect you, right, though? So it's OK, right? How come there's so many people that are so sad that they can't do the things that make them free? How come? Yeah, I know it's going to be a tough adjustment for some of you, some of you an easier adjustment, but I guess you can rationalize it. What do you do for a living? Hey, man. Hey, I'm a, I'm just a massage therapist. I mean, how's authoritarianism going to affect me? I, the, people are probably going to need more massages because they're they're going to be uptight. Hey, dude, I just do graphic design, man. Hey, man, I'm mostly, uh, you know, into fantasy. You know, I, I'm a comic book artist and uh, I don't even live on this world. So authoritarianism here, that's that's OK. Hey, what happened to the guy who I used to work with? That uh, nice fellow, the trans guy. What happened to what happened? To, ah, oh, yeah, they're not allowed. OK, I'm a, I, I install cable. Uh, so, like, I don't know how authoritarian it's like there are new rules. You know, and you got to, you know, you got to make sure people don't fuck with the boxes to try and get uh, Brazilian television. You know, there's a lot less channels now, so my job's a little easier. But uh, and with the new filters on the uh, the Wi-Fi systems, you know, everything's a lot simpler. You just got to make sure people aren't fucking with the boxes. That's the only way my job's really changed in a new America. It's like, hey, don't fuck with the boxes because if people fuck with the boxes, we take their boxes away. You dig? But other than that, I'm good. Kid's doing great on his team. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah, we don't know what happened to that. He had a, he had a friend who was Latino, and I don't. But uh, you know, you don't ask questions. There's still the, there was other kids, you know, that take the place of the. You, don't fuck with the boxes. God bless America. So, the other thing I wanted to say is, um, Chewy.com deserves. Again, not a paid plug, but what a great fucking company. I was trying to get, you know, to exchange the food that they're not eating for all kidney food because both Monkey and Buster need to be on kidney food. I'm not even sure Buster does anymore, but I had bought some food that they don't really love. I got good food for both of them. They like it, but I had a lot of leftover food, so I wanted to see if I can exchange the crate. And Chewy was like, this is what they said. And a woman reminded me of this because... uh she wrote to me, Chewy shout out, I'm not famous, and they sent me a sympathy card when I asked to return some food after my cat died. They gave me a refund and asked me to donate the food to a cat shelter, which is what they told me. I said, I want to exchange it for the food that they like. And they're like, well, we don't really do that, but I'll give you a refund and just bring that leftover food to a cat shelter. That's a fucking good company, that Chewy. They sell... All kinds of shit for your pets, but what a considerate, fucking compassionate, charitable thing that is. And now I feel like a cheap asshole for even asking for my money back. Why didn't why didn't I just take it to a charity or to a cat shelter and be done with it? 
no, I got to be like, hey, you know, I got these, uh, you know, I got uh, 48 cans of this stuff and, uh, you know, it's $40 I don't have. And, uh, yeah, it would be nice if I could uh, just bring it to a shelter. You're going to refund. Like, why didn't I just say, you know what, don't refund it because I'm an asshole. I don't mind helping for 40 bucks. God knows you got to give to people. You got to give people and animals. My primary charities are the uh, the Tiger Rescue in North Carolina, the ACLU, and Planned Parenthood. Got to help out. ACLU, send them money. Because it's obviously just going to be litigious from here on out until the fucking complete takeover of the judiciary is final. And it's like, hey, man, it's not my problem. You know, I'm a science teacher at an elementary school. This authoritarian thing doesn't really affect me. They changed the textbooks a bit, but not not in my department yet. But a lot of them are different. But, you know, kids are kids. They'll learn what they're going to learn, right? Huh? They'll find it somewhere. It's not like when I was a kid, right? Different times. But I'm all right. Few kids are gone from the class. I had to explain that. Yeah, but not... What are you going to say, right? You know, the papers, they got to have the... Whatever, huh? Different time. So listen, I... uh, Yeah, Chewy, good company. And I will give that stuff to a shelter. Thank you. Here's the other bit of email that I think I should uh, talk about because, it, it, of course, it makes sense. See, when I was talking about both Anderson Pack and uh, Randall Park bringing me gifts, um, a couple people wrote, Dear Mark, this is Park Pack. From Henry, in episode 1089, you mentioned that Anderson Pack and Randall Park were the only guests to bring you gifts. You mused about the connection, a P thing, while you were close. Park and Pack are actually Romanized versions of the same last name. It's a Korean name. Both Pack and Park are Korean. In Anderson's case, a quarter Korean. So that's the connection. Both Korean kids were raised right and know to bring a gift for the host when invited to someone's home or studio. Just thought I'd let you know. Cheers. Henry, thank you. Henry, I appreciate that. And by his last name, I'm I'm assuming uh, he is also Korean, but I don't know. I, I probably it sounds like it. It's not a bad thing. It, now why am I see now I'm, all of a sudden what I'm in some sort of weird spiral for what? Thank you, Henry. I appreciate that. One other, uh, I think I got another one here. Oh yeah, this came out of nowhere, and I don't think this person is a professional uh, motivational speaker or anything like that, but I took it to heart somehow. Sometimes things get through, folks. Subject line, quick anxiety tip. It's the belief that the feeling of anxiety is a bad thing that's holding it in place. Dear Mark, I'm just listening to the opening of your Leo Brad podcast. You're using the word anxiety a lot. May I respectfully make a wee suggestion? Can I, I, could, could I make a suggestion also? We, I don't, it's not great. I don't love that word. It's not making me anxious though. Drop the word anxiety. Okay, I will if you drop the word we. Drop the word anxiety. Use nerves or nervous instead. It's the belief that the feeling of anxiety is a bad thing that holds it in place. Experiencing nerves before an interview is so normal. Your feelings can't hurt you. The feeling of nerves is coming from the energy of thought. This feeling is bad. It keeps it in a loop. The feeling comes from non-acceptance of what's simply happening. Life in front of you. Sensations in your body. Your passing thoughts and feelings. Step back from yourself. See that you can have confidence slash 
slash faith in the right word slash sentence question automatically popping into your head at the right time, just like they always have. This is the clarity you mentioned, that the feeling comes from passing thought energy, not the person or circumstance. You, Mark, are the constant consciousness watching the whole motherfucking miracle unfold before your very eyes. Love your work, Sandy XX. Thank you, Sandy. Uh, I, that, that, that email made, made me a little nervous. It made me a little nervous. I'm experiencing nervousness because it seems to make sense. And I, and I think you're right. I'm not anxious. I'm just a little nervous. We nervous. So look, Terry Crews is an interesting character and he is sort of a character. And I had the opportunity to talk to him and I, you know, I, I know him from, uh, Idiocracy was really where I kind of locked into him. He's been in a lot of things, but he seems like an and he's got an odd he's got an odd frequency, man. And I wanted to check it out. He is the host of America's Got Talent, The Champions, which airs Mondays at 8 p.m., 7 p.m. Central on NBC. He's also on Brooklyn Nine Nine. The season seven premiere is February sixth on NBC. And uh he came by. And this was a couple weeks ago. Me talking to Terry Crews. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature. And now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Foxed Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Foxed Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. So you look like a guy I can talk to about athletic injuries. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've experienced a few of those. What I did, I'll tell you what I did, and you tell me what you think I, I should do. Okay. I didn't even hurt myself doing an actual squat. I was putting... And it was on one of those machines that, that actually braces the weight for you. It wasn't free weight. But I had the weights and I put them on the back of my neck. And when I put the weight on to this part of my shoulder, I felt something go, yeah. Uh, and now like, I got the shooting pains coming out the center. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've done that. You have? I've done it. It's funny because <laughs> re-racking it and you're like, ah, oh, my yeah, God. Right. And you can't. And then all of a sudden, I can't move my neck for right, a long right. time. So what do you do? Do I just wait it out? Y- yeah. Yeah. yeah, I like mean, it. should I go to a chiropractor? You you can. Did you use chiropractors? I I have. I've used everything. I've you probably have? done everything. But well, one thing is for me, um, yeah. I do a lot of like my own little stuff. We have they have these things called power dots. Yeah, which are incredible. I power mean, dots. I played in the NFL for seven years. Seven years. What they used to do is they had this big thing called a stem machine. Yeah, and it would send electrical current. Right through your muscles and nerves yeah. and what it would do is it kind of deadens the sensation of pain right because that's all what you're dealing with you just need to heal 
Right. But the nerves are like, ah, 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 so you don't ever feel healed. Right. This power dots now with the new technology, because again, back when I played, it was like, yeah. you know, 20, 20 some years ago. Yeah. Now they have these things, you can use an app. Yeah. You attach these power dots to your neck and they yeah. tell you how to do it. And it sends these currents through. It works. It, will, uh, it works. It alleviates no your pain and it really helps you heal. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You just need time. Yeah. And it's like, and then, but when you have to take time, you're like, I can't fucking work out. But see, that, but that's the trick. It's, it's, <laughs> if you this, can work this out is with the thing the too. Yeah. You're right. What you, what I always tell people is, is really what, is that the whole thing is a trick. Like, when you hurt yourself, the thing is, oh, I hurt, I can't stop, I gotta stop working out. The thing is, you just gotta do something else. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. you never should stop. It's always like, okay, don't do that. Right. But do something else. Right, don't do the things that hurt. Exactly, like yeah. if you hurt yourself running, now get on the recumbent bike. Sure, right. But what happens is, people go, I can't do it, and, and then- they, And they stop. And then it gets worse. Uh, why does it get worse? Because you don't do anything. Oh, you mean it gets worse for different reasons. You, you understand what I mean? You get fat. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but that's the deal. It's kind of like, it's a trick. Yeah, but I you know, can yeah. never ever, you just have no to adjust right. and move. You got to change the protocol. Oh, now I feel guilty. Now I got to get <laughs> out there. I'm going to get out right after we're done here. I'm going to go. You got to, listen. Got to go up the mountain. Hey, wait, anyway, this is another thing, man. Yeah. Don't... Problem is everybody's trying to do like three, four hours. Hey man, do yeah. twenty minutes. Sure, man. And do I'm, 10 I'm, minutes. I'm I tell old, people man. do a five minute workout. Just like something. literally wake yeah. up, do something, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, yeah. Just get it? active. Just do it. So it, it just reminded me you're in the NFL and the no pain thing. Like I I just flashed back. Did you ever see that movie? Uh was it North Dallas Forty? Oh yeah, it? back in the day, right with the uh, was it Nick Nolte and Mac Davis? Yeah, I think, and they shoot that guy up. Remember, oh. and he gets hit and oh. gets. Oh. First of all, his hamstring goes. You know he gets what? Hit and they pull his helmet off. You think he lost his whole face or something? My time in the NFL <laughs> yeah. make North Dallas Forty look like a Disney movie. Really? It was crazy, man. With the drugs, everything, everything. Look, I went to listen. I play with a guy uh, right now who's serving forty-two years Fed time. While I was playing for dealing drugs, yeah. he had a whole, he had a cheerleader on the Rams. Some guy you played? Uh, yeah, Daryl Henley. Yeah. Daryl Henley, he was a, I was a rookie in my, my Ram year. And uh, this guy, he decided he was going to be a drug kingpin in the locker room. Yeah. What, uh, painkillers? No. Oh, this was cocaine. Yeah, oh, I mean, yeah. He was dealing with real stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? But painkillers were like candy. You know what I mean? That, that you got from the trainer, right? That, right, right. And this is another thing. They used to they used to do surgeries on guys that didn't need it because the doctor would get yeah. paid per surgery. Oh, that's so it's like, hey, oh yeah, oh you your knee, you definitely need a re, need you need your knee redone. They were yeah. like, uh, you're a football, you don't know what's going on. And now you know now as a grown guy who's been through a lot, the, the last resort surgery, exactly, last resort. You don't even need that I stuff. Know. Yeah, and now people, but they were handing it out like uh, people were getting their legs chopped up every year, did and, you? Got, and the doctor would get paid. No, I didn't. I always refused it. I listen. I did. I never took steroids. Uh, this is another thing. I was on seven, six teams in seven years. Yeah, I got cut a lot. Yeah, but there were things I just wouldn't do. Do you think you got cut because uh, you wouldn't play ball with them on those levels, or because your performance was? Uh, not up to par because you didn't do the drugs. I have to say, was it politics this, or physical? No, it's a little bit of both. Mm. A little bit of both. Uh, one thing too, I really didn't like football. Yeah, I mean, well, it, I, I I did it because you had it was my way out. 
You know what well, I mean? It was my way out of Flint, Michigan. Well, let's know? talk about that. So you, you were born in Flint? That's right. Born and, and raised. Well, I mean, I, obviously now everybody knows Flint because of the uh, the horrible crisis with the pipes and the poison and the lead. And, uh, you know, you probably didn't know that was happening. Did you grow up in that world where I, the, those you, bad pipes were? No. Uh, uh-huh. I grew up in the heyday. Like, yeah. uh, not First of all, the first five years of my life, Flint, yeah. Michigan was Palo Alto. Flint, Michigan was Austin, Texas. The, the, for the, it the was, cars. The auto industry was the number one. It, GM was the number one corporation in the world. Uh, so it was like uh, it, a new people, city. People were getting paid. People were walking around. It was benefits. It was, people were getting... $3,000, $4,000 bonuses for Christmas back in the 1971-72. And your dad was in the auto business? My father was a foreman at Buick. At Buick? That's right. So he drove a Buick? Uh, exactly. We got a free <laughs> Buick every year and all this stuff. But then it hit. When it was over, when I mean the gas crisis, the whole deal. Gas crisis in the 70s? Oh, my. Right. Yeah. When, this is when I, when, by the time I was nine, 10 yeah. years old, by the time Star Wars came out, yeah. everything started to collapse. And I mean, it happened fast. Oh, really? Super fast. You, your dad lost his job? Oh, well, no. He didn't. But, but the industry, everything was like, look, you got to understand, I, 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 I try to give this picture to people. It, I grew up, where I grew up, I never saw a foreign car. Because they used to burn foreign cars in the lots. Like if you brought a Toyota. As an example, like a sacrifice, a oh, ritual sacrifice. There used to be smoke billowing in parking lots everywhere because these guys were standing around it burning foreign cars. But just because someone drove one? Just because you drove it. You they were like, like, these were. How dare you? I was viewed, when I bought a Nissan Pathfinder my first year in the NFL, I was viewed as a traitor. My father almost disowned me. Really? I'm trying to tell you how it's the mindset is so insane. Wow. <laughs> it was nuts, but everybody knew it was ending. Like the panic started to set. And you got to understand when every, they used to trick people and say, oh no, we're not going to close this factory. Yeah. And then over the weekend, they would take out these all these machines and close yeah. it. Yeah. And so people got panicked. And all of a sudden, all the factories started to close, but then at the same time, crack was invented. <laughs> so 1980, uh, yeah. by the time 1980 came around, you had a double whammy of no uh, no jobs. Yeah, and crack. And crack. And so you got people who went straight from the factory into the crack game, and it blew up. And at Flint, Michigan, I mean, Rod, my, Michael Moore made a career out of the yeah. whole thing. You know what I mean? Just Roger and me as back in 89 the, when uh, it came out. Of the industry. But- Dude, everybody moved away. I I had there were white people. My, I, when I moved into our yeah. neighborhood, we were the first black family yeah. in our neighborhood. Yeah. And then by the time it was over, all the, the the white flight was was serious. I mean, so it was there, all black after I was and when I was done. When, so, like, how many kids did you grow up with? Uh, my older brother and a younger sister. And it was a good life for a while. For a minute. Yeah. And what's your mom do? What did she do? Well, she was housewife. Yeah? Yeah. So it was like solid kind of middle class That's it. That's upbringing. It. I mean, you know, we had our problems. My yeah. father was alcoholic. Yeah. And very abusive. Like a um, bad alcoholic? Bad. But, but he got, he worked. He went yeah. to work. He went to work. But he come home. But this, but this is another thing. Yeah. You know, uh, I like to say this with the guys that worked in the factory. Yeah. You had to kind of give up your own dream in order to invest in the factory. You give your life. To the factory to, to Buick, you are literally like they're going to take care of me. This is my mother, you know, and, and yeah, it's a compromise you make with yourself for security and exactly. insurance and you, pensions yeah. and all that stuff. 
And but these guys were miserable. What, like, what, what was his dream? What did he want to do? He 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 was like a, a, a he would fix things and he was like a handyman and he was try, like trying to be creative. But then he was even in the army for a minute. Yeah. But then you could see he was miserable where he was. I I don't even know. My father never really revealed to me what he really wanted to do. He's gone. I just knew. No, he's here. <laughs> but he never. But to this day, he's never told me. <laughs> But he, ne- but he never really. All he did was complain about what was happening at the factory and drink and drink. And they all went to the bar. It was like right from the factory to the bar, and so it was and those, then back to work. So it was one of those things where you like you didn't you didn't want him to come home or you didn't know what was going to happen. Dude, we heard the car pull up. We ran. Really? I mean, I didn't want nothing to do with him. He was mad. He we he would put on some slow Bobby Womack song, start singing, and you're like, oh shit. <laughs> That it's, was, it's all about to go that, down. That was it, the indicator. It, it was. It was like a, a routine that we knew. Oh God, no! The sad song. And we ran, but see, he was very. He would beat my mom. Really? Very abusive. Extreme. And this is the thing. He never beat us. Yeah. Because my mother was like, "Okay, you can beat me. Right. But if you ever beat them, I'll kill you." And they stayed together. Oh yeah. What? And my mother died four years ago, and they were still married. It was crazy, dude. Did you ever try to figure that out? I, I mean, I, I, I this through. Did you talk to her about it? But see, this is yeah. You know what? This is the thing. I read this book by uh, Rachel Snyder called "No Visible Bruises," and it blew me away. Yeah. And you always think like, why did she stay? But the real reason is, is that she was literally trying to save us huh. because she thought if if she did leave, that our futures were going to be in damage. Huh. Like, so it was like she was a hostage. And I always wondered, like, because I used to tell her when I was 14, like, let's get out of here. Let's go somewhere. But yeah. she was like, uh, she literally would, like, never leave because she really felt that she, it would damage our future forever. Huh. What and do you so think she stood in there. retrospect? I don't know. I, I look at it now differently. Uh, back then, I used to be mad at her. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, but now I look at it like she was held hostage. What could you do? And he's still here. Still here. Bro. And you, you're at peace with him. Uh, we have an understanding. You know what I mean? It's like you stay there, and I'll be over here. Do you, do you let him see your kids? No. Oh, so that's no. one of that. That's the situation. Oh no, no. He, he'll. This is the thing. I try to to kind of establish his relationship, the whole thing. But yeah. then he'll say, "I'm not drinking. I'm not drinking." And I go. I went over there, and there's about bottles in the garbage. And oh, so, yeah. like, You're still lying. You're still he playing can. this game. And then he'll call me up and berate me in a drunken thing. Like, right. you oh. ain't nothing. You ain't never been nothing. You know, really? Like, who, who the fuck you think you are? And you're like, and this, really? is, this is like three years ago. And yeah. you're like, <laughs> and then so what? Now I just have an assistant that calls him yeah. and checks up on him. Right. And just said, is he dead? Is he alive? Does he need anything? Is yeah. the house, is the roof falling in? And he'll say whatever it is. And then I'll send, and I, I make sure I don't put no money in his hand. Yeah. I make sure I only get a bill. I, mean, right. I send somebody over there for to size up whatever's going on, and then I pay that. So you, you'll take care of him, but to a uh, to a degree. Uh, and just, then uh, he's got a pension still. He, uh, no, no. Jim oh. reneged all the pensions. Oh, they did. Oh, that's bad. So that's another thing he's mad about. He's he's angry. He's pissed. Now, how'd your what, what do your siblings do? Uh, my sister is a, a judge in, uh, in Detroit. No shit. And my brother, uh, he works in, in Atlanta, but I, I, I literally haven't spoken to them in a little while either. Really? Yeah, man. It's, uh. You had to do this for yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Because when my mother died, yeah. everybody wanted me to come in and solve all their problems. Because you were the, 
Like, and that was about four and a half years ago. That was the last time I've talked to him. Oh, really? You, because your sister too? Everybody. Huh. Yeah. Why were you the guy? Are you the middle kid, because right? Because I'm, uh, well, I'm the middle guy, but I'm the rich kid. I'm oh, the really? successful guy. Who's your sister's a judge. Yeah, I know. I know. That's what blew me away. <laughs> yeah. uh, before my mother passed away, I was like, uh, okay, guys, we got to get this together because, you know, everybody's got to contribute. And they were like, no. Huh. They were like, you got it. And I was like, no. I said, first of all, if I got 100 bucks. To it, her her convalescence or her- To, to just the family. Just, yeah. just we got to take care of our parents, Was right? she was sick and for she was a while? Sick, and she was sick for yeah. a long time. Yeah. She had lymphomic cancer oh. and the whole thing. Yeah. And we knew something was going to happen. Yeah. But I was like, okay, if I got $100 and you got 10 and if we all give 10%, then, yeah. okay, I'll give 10 you give one. They were yeah. like, no, you got $100, you pay for everything. Yeah. I was like, no, dude. And I was trying to straighten this shit out with my family way before she passed. Right. And they wouldn't do it. And I was going, hey, man, why are you expecting me to do all of this? When she, listen, when she passed away, my brother's like, hey, man, I can't afford to go to the funeral, man. I need some money. I'm like, dude, that's your mother. Yeah. I said, well, then you ain't going. I said, how in the world am I supposed to pay yeah. for you to get to the funeral? But was this the first time you felt like they were taking advantage oh, of no, you? Oh, no, no, yeah, no, no. I mean, but, but this is the deal, man. I've reached out because I, I've been famous for 20 years. Yeah. And I've been doing this, like reaching out. You work out, too. You trying, work and you work and you work. Working my ass off, man. Yeah. I'm like, I got f five jobs at the same time. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm like, guys, you gotta understand that, you know, this. There are no accidents. The problem is there's a mentality where people feel like people who are successful, yeah. they got successful by accident, <laughs> or they lucky. You're, you're yeah, just yeah. lucky. You're right. like, you know, you like they look at me and they go, oh, man, you're in shape. You're just lucky. You got that. You got the See, that, that you know, metabolism. You know, what's fucked up about that is that like that maybe it's usually never true. But even if it is true, in order to maintain the job, it ain't luck. You got to show up for work. You got to do the thing. Dude, <laughs> I work out for two hours every morning. Yeah. Is that lucky? No, I know. Like, but I mean, to, I mean? To get, keep getting work. It, dude, protocols must be done you yeah, know what i mean yeah. like you got to maintain yeah. whatever you got yeah. i mean i don't care if you have the beautiful house on the block if you don't do shit it's yeah. going to get dirty yeah. and it's going to be a mess it's yeah. going to be tall grass can't hide it for that long you gotta work at yeah, it yeah. and um but they like you just you just got it right yeah they think you don't yeah and i tried i kept trying to explain that to family members i tried to get businesses i was like guys Please, let's start a family business. Let's get this thing going yeah. so that we can support each other. Yeah. And they were like, uh, I just need two grand. Oh, yeah, I don't want to work. Who's <sighs> That's your brother? That, that was my father. That's your father. <laughs> that was my father. I said, dude, you have no pension. I was like, dude, can you just go, like, we can, <laughs> I'll set you up with something. You can sell ties or, or just find something you can sell, what, whatever. Did you, did you have an idea? Was there I did. I was like, look, look, set up a business where we can have a bunch of lawnmowers and you can hire some people around and, and do lawns or whatever. He was like, ah, I just need, uh, give me $2,500, man. <laughs> I was like, wow. I, so, I, what, what, couldn't do it. I so couldn't you, do it. You detached with a certain amount of love out of your own uh, uh, to, to survive emotionally for yourself. Let me tell you, I had a family member. I was like, look, I will pay for a business. Mm. I said 100%. Yeah. It, but all I have to say, I said, I have one requirement. I want 51% of the business mm. and you get 49 Yeah. And it'll be great. Yeah. You know what they said? What? Kiss my ass. Uh -huh. I want 50 50. And you're like, 50? There's no such thing as a 50 50 business. How do you make a decision? Yeah. I said, you better be glad. Listen, most businesses are 90 10. Yeah, right.
90 10. Yeah. And I was like, what in the world? And dude, I can't work with you. I can't do this. And I was going, what happened, man? Mark, I was going crazy. This is four years it ago. It started stressing years. me out. It started, Dealing just, with the family. Yeah. I was like, you know what? All of a sudden, I, I learned about the block button. I was like, I can block these numbers. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> then nobody was calling. And I was like, it's so peaceful. <laughs> and then I was like, and then I had an assistant. I was like, just call him. Yeah, yeah. And then I was, then he would relay, and I was like, you know what, block him. <laughs> and I got my assistant blocking people. <laughs> and then I realized this uh, is for my own good. And all of a sudden, I started thriving simply because I just got these people, emotional voices out of my life. You were already thriving, but you mean you weren't crazy? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I already have a wife and five kids that I had to deal with, and yeah. And I'm going, hey man, I, I can't support you. You're a grown man. Yeah. You, you're grown people. Yeah, yeah. I got a whole. It's family. not gonna happen. So when you st- when coming up though, when you were growing up, I mean, was it? But you say you didn't love football. But what was it, your original sort of interest in? You know, how art, to... art, painting. Right. That's drawing. right. I, I think I read that somewhere. That yeah. You, so you were a sensitive kind of uh, artistic kid. I was a totally. I'm a right hand, a right brained, yeah, left bra- left handed yeah. person, and yeah. I. My art talent was my big thing. I had an art scholarship before I had a football scholarship. I walked on a football team. Yeah. But I had an art scholarship. So you drew and you, did you paint? Painting, painting drawing. And drawing. All uh, through when you were, since you were a kid? My whole, yes. I mean, sculpting. I was into all that. I, I thought I was going to be a special effects artist. That, that was, was it, my oh, whole when thing. When you were a kid, did you do masks and makeup? I and did stuff? everything. I, I was always into anything movie like. Did you go to art school? I went, no, because I, I, because art schools weren't paid for by full scholarships. So alongside of the painting and whatever, it, music too? I was I played the flute. You played the flute? <laughs> I did. I can know. you still do it? I can still do it. I did it on AGT a couple of times. <laughs> I did it. It's, it's so good. Yeah. People see my big ass on them with a flute, and it's like, oh, wow. <laughs> but, I, but this is the deal, man. I've always been artistic, and I always saw myself... And you made, some, you made a living doing art at, at different points in your I mean, life? starving uh, at different points. I mean, I, when I would get cut from a football team, what I would do is go back in the locker room and yeah. I would ask the players if they wanted their portraits painted. Yeah. And that's how I survived. I would get $5,000 for a painting of a football player and that would let me go two months until it was time to go back to camp. <laughs> and so I did lots of players, man. I probably did about 20 players while I was, I mean, on the Redskins, while I was on the Chargers, the whole thing, and I would do these paintings. I would, I would actually paint the cover of Game Day, like yeah. the, the, the little magazine that they had. Oh yeah, and you make money doing that. Let me tell you, I, that, I would make a little bit of money, not like crazy money, but yeah. that's it. Got me enough to survive. And then when I retired, I went to NFL properties, and I remember I was like, I would love to do something with the NFL. They looked at me and they were like, Great, that's wonderful. He he slammed my portfolio down. He was like, No, no, thank you. Why? I don't know. We already got Leroy Neiman? They didn't want, listen, they, they had Peter Max. Yeah. They had Leroy Neiman. But they were like, they were not interested in any players crossing that line. Oh, because you were just like, you're just one of the machines today. Exactly. I mean, that's, look, you look at the league. Yeah. First of all, you got to look at how football players end up. Yeah. You know, not people, good. Everybody, con- everybody looks at players now. Yeah. But if you look at players, how they end up, man, it's not good. Never Dude, good. It's it's Almost horrifying. Almost. It's, it's right there with boxing. It's yeah. right there with MMA. Yeah. 
You know what I mean? These guys, and then know, with all the concussion stuff. too. Oh my god, dude, it's it's horrible. And they, and they, the NFL will right now deny that they have anything involving your brain issues. They're like, that's not us, right? That's not us. Yeah, that guy just couldn't take a hit. Hey man, come on. So, all right, so you're doing that art in, when you're a kid, but but you were working in some capacity as an artist before the football thing, right? I was I was doing courtroom sketches for Channel Twelve in high school or what? That was in my first freshman year of college. So you'd be sitting in the courtroom? In the courtroom. Because Flint was- you that, you what? Look, Flint was crime-ridden. <laughs> and so I did the courtroom sketches for the biggest murder case in Flint history at the time. Well, yeah. Six people were murdered in a, in a crack house. Yeah. And there I was. And I and so, wow, I knew some a few of the victims. You did? Which was crazy. From where? For, just I mean, from they were drug dealers in the neighborhood. Right. And so I knew them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, man. And it was-, it was it was so surreal. So you were in the that. awkward position where you could actually draw the victims as well. It was <laughs> crazy, and and the guy they accused, they, it was one guy. He yeah. took the rap, but it, but he it was six people. It was like a whole bunch of people that that killed him. But at the same time, one guy took the rap, and it was just the most horrible incident ever. I was so, just like, oh. So you just sit there in the courtroom. So you're that quick at it. You can really kind of just I was it. focus in. I was, and, but that was. But what I did, it was wild because the actual courtroom artist was supposed to come in from Chicago. He wasn't able to do it, and I was an intern at TV12 WJRT yeah. in Flint, Michigan. And I, my father made he. My father got me the job. He was like, "You gonna hire my son? He got art ability." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh God!" And the guy says, "Okay." And I couldn't believe it. I was. And like, they hired you for what? They hired me to do back in the day. Yeah. And uh, before computers, you actually drew the backdrops on the news. Oh, okay. So if they were like, I would draw like a chalk line and police cars oh, and the whole graphics. thing. And they would go, to, you know, two people murdered today. And, and there would be a, up. my graphic right. would go behind them. Uh, so you didn't. That was pre-computers, and that was you doing that as an intern. That was me doing it as an intern. Exactly. And and then when so the the courtroom uh, artist. He worked for the TV station. Yeah, exactly. So they, but he couldn't make it, and then I was got like in. Can you do something? it? I don't know what happened, but yeah. I, but whatever it was, I was like, yes. So you're like 19. I, I, exactly, yeah. 19 years old. Jumped in there, and they were like, oh man, you got a career at this, you know. Yeah. And but then I went back to school at Western Michigan University and yeah. kept playing football. Ended up in the NFL. But so, crazy. but in in college, did you do art classes and stuff? Did All, you? Do- but but this was the deal. I did art classes, but because I was a football player, I could not take all the art classes because we had labs. You know, we had you know, you spend three three hours a day painting, but I was at practice. So were you also being looked at like he's just you know doing this because it's easy for him to get the you know, elective or no, whatever? no, because I was actually better than my teachers <laughs> as an artist. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I'm gonna tell you, I had a scam. Yeah. I had a scam. Yeah, what I would do was I would create a bunch of paintings all summer. I would create really bad ones, yeah. and they would go all the way to very, very good ones. Yeah. And then I would come in in the beginning of the semester, and I would say, I would go to the teacher and go, yeah. help me with this. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. And then over the course of the semester, I would keep handing in stuff, yeah. knowing it was already done, but yeah. acting like I was just doing it. And then he would go, this is so much better. And I was like, you helped me so much. Oh, my God. Thank you. Good. And I would get an A. <laughs> Real scam. <laughs> oh, it was a big scam. Had it all planned But I, was never, I never got my degree. I never got my degree. You didn't? You because just... I couldn't finish. I could Because you had to go play? I had to play football. I mean, as a scholarship student, there was no way. I, I, I couldn't. I had to give up. They were telling me, just go get a business degree. But I was like, but I'm an artist. Yeah. And so I actually ended up 12 credits short. I never got my, never got my degree. Did you have to pay him back for the scholarship? 
No, I didn't. Uh, I, I mean, when I was done, I was done. So I've they don't. They like if you have a scholarship, they don't say no. You got to finish, or you're going to be penalized somehow. Uh, you know, I've seen where guys had their scholarships taken, uh, uh, but I. But, you know, my thing is, I, I was done. I was so done here you are, you're a painter, you're a flute player. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sweet guy, but you, know, but you got this football ability. So you just felt like you had to go to, you know, if you got the, drafted, you were going to go? That was my way to make money. I mean. So it was a money game for you? Art- Dude, where was I going to make money as an artist? I don't know. <laughs> That's what I mean. Back starving cor- artist is a true term. Like Back in the courtroom. Most artists don't make money. That's go just, back to the courtroom. That, there, was, there was no money in that. I mean, it was intern dollars. You know what I mean? Uh, So I said, the NFL is my way to make some cash. Right. And so I'm going to do this. And my whole thing was, I'm going to make sure this happens. Now, I didn't really like football. But did So it was kind of like, you know, I would do it as hard as I could. Yeah. And so my wife was like, you know what, honey? Maybe you're not that good. <laughs> I was like, "How long you were married to her before you started?" Oh, yeah, we got married in college. Oh, so she's been with you through all the of this whole shit. time. We just celebrated thirty years. Oh, that's right. Congratulations. That's it. So, so like you go begrudgingly into football because you can do it. Right. You don't love it, and even playing as hard as you can, your heart's not in it. And you, you think that showed itself on the field? Or? But you got to understand. Yeah, seventy percent of NFL players hate it. I get it. They we don't want to play. Uh-huh. But you play because it's your way out. Right. Okay. What's, what's happening now is more people are convinced that they got something else to do. As soon as you find out you got something else you can do, you don't go back. Right. Everybody, they're like, people retiring earlier than ever right now because they're like, I got, I got other things to do. But back then, it's like boxing. You know, yeah. you know what? You know what killed boxing? Like the heavyweight division? What? Rap. Yeah. <laughs> Once people started rapping, they were like, man, I ain't boxing. Yeah, right. And the whole the, the hip hop careers yeah. really boomed, right. and boxing went down. Huh. Before that was your way out of the hood. It had to do with what the ticket out. You was. boxed so yeah. you could get out. Yeah, but now a hey, played man, ball of some kind. But now everybody's realizing. Wait a minute, we got other things to do. I can't imagine what it like. What it? What it's? Cause I'm not a football. I'm not really a sports guy. Yeah. But I can't. The, the must. There must be some rush to being on that field, though. No. It's first <laughs> of all, you your life is in your hands. Yeah. I, just, I my highlight in my NFL career. I was knocked out on Monday Night Football. <laughs> Straight yeah. up. And it's, let me tell you something. When I got knocked out, where which game was this? This was what the, team I was were you on, on the Chargers, and yeah. we were playing Indianapolis Colts. I actually put the put the incident on my Instagram. And the NFL really hates it because yeah. I, I show myself getting knocked out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I hit this guy so hard, I knocked myself out. Right? Um, yeah. Let me tell you something, Mark. It was the most peaceful feeling I ever felt. Just surrounded by no people. Pain. I was like, Pow! and all of a sudden, you're in. The, you're like back in the womb. Yeah. There's no up. There's no down. And you saw yourself go down. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're in a dream. Yeah. And then you wake up, and you're yeah. like, what is happening? What is I've never been high. I've never been on drugs. But I know what it's like yeah. by getting knocked out on well, an NFL football field. It's lucky you didn't uh, try to chase that feeling. Oh, dude. But then what happened was I was, I was losing my memory in the game. I was looking, that game. I looked across the field, and I was looking at the Indianapolis Colts, and I was like, what does the U mean on their helmet? What? 
what is that? And it was the horseshoe. Yeah. And I'm like, what? Are we in Utica? And all of a sudden they were like, dude, you're out of it. You're concussed. I am concussed. But I went into the locker room for halftime and then came out and played the rest of the game. Did your memory come back? It did. Big yeah. headache. But a headache came with it. Oh, it was and bad. that was your high point? That was the highlight of your football career? It was a The peacefulness of being unconscious? It was a killer hit, man. <laughs> <laughs> So wait, so how many teams? Like, what was the uh, what was the full range of the game? That you uh, played? Uh, Rams, Packers, Chargers. How Red does that Skins, work, though? Explain Eagles. that to me. Why so many teams? And were you you must have been good enough to stay in the game? But what happened? Because I wasn't a star. It's one of those things where I was a body, and I was always willing. You yeah, know? I was. A, I could. I wouldn't stop. You know what I mean? And that's another thing too. Like a lot of times, people go, "I quit." But I never, I never quit. I just kept going. Yeah. And I just said, you know what? Let's, I'm going to keep going and keep getting paid and yeah. keep doing my thing. But what happened was I remember when it, it left me, like the desire was done. And um, I remember going to a workout yeah. for, the, for the 49ers, and this coach threw the ball at me really hard and yeah. dislocated my finger. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I, I don't like this anymore. <laughs> like, like I literally, like everything left me. I was like, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I'm done. Yeah, and I came home, and and then my wife says, "Now you got to know, when I was dating my wife back in 1988, yeah. I told her we are going to play in the NFL, and yeah. we're going to move to LA, yeah. and we're going to make movies, because that was my ultimate well, dream." But who were you looking to as the inspiration for that? Were there other Spike Lee? Oh yeah, Robert Townsend. Oh, I yeah. mean, the whole that was that period. Keenan yeah. Ivory Wayans, yeah, like yeah. Hollywood Shuffle, yeah, yeah, Casper just picking up cameras and making stuff. You okay. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that independent. I mean, even Michael Moore. Yeah. The the whole Roger and Me thing was gigantic because I was like, oh my god, he's from Flint. He picked up a camera and they made a movie. Yeah. And our vision was like, man, I'm gonna do this. And and as an artist. I was like, I can do this. So this is always in your mind. Always, always. And so, okay, so when you quit ball. You, my wife told me, she yeah. said, first of all, you remember when you said you're going to move to L.A.? Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. And so we moved to L.A. I mean, we we literally didn't know anybody. Had some money saved, though? Uh, we used our pension from the NFL because yeah. you get a retirement. Right. And we said, and we moved out to L.A. Yeah. And that was in 1997. And and what what how'd you hit the ground running out here? Well, we went broke. <laughs> All that money went in under two years. It was gone. Yeah. Uh, I was prideful. I didn't want to work. I was like, oh, I'm an NFL player. And she was like, honey, we have nothing. We were literally, I was digging well, in. You're prideful. Sofa. You didn't want to work. Like, what do you mean? What were you holding out for? Well, I mean, well, this was oh, weird. you mean get a real no, job. Right. You didn't want to get a, a real, real job. Oh. Yes, yes. You didn't want to take the hit, be the, be the ex-ball player at the... You know, pulling the coffee. I, because in my mind, I'm like an ex-ball player, but yeah. nobody cared. No, nobody knew, in you, LA. You weren't uh, famous enough to be people like, Exactly, no. exactly. I was famous in my own mind, right? <laughs> and my wife was like, honey, nobody knows you. Go yeah. get a job. And uh, I went to a place called Labor Ready, and they put me to work in a factory, and I was sweeping floors. Okay. We had nothing. When I tell you nothing. Labor Ready. Yeah, yeah, what labor ready. Yeah. You know, you, it's a place where you go get a job for a day. Like uh, they, like a temp agency. They pay you yeah. per day. Okay. And See. and it's manual labor. See. And I swept the. Uh, so the you said they're going like I used to be a football. Player. Oh, dude, I was so depressed. Bitter? Were you mad? I was. I was angry. But you didn't start drinking. You come from drunken people, and oh, you didn't drink. It was close. It was close. I had a pornography addiction, though. 
That was another thing. Yeah, at that time. <laughs> at, oh yeah, that's I mean all, that's like old times uh, pornography. You had to go out and rent the tapes. Or, oh, the old or, time, or, right, or, right. And, and yeah, had, yeah, and I'm watch that, them over and over again, and go to the place and jerk off in the booth. That is the reality. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you how bad it was. It was like that because uh, you, to deal with a lot of these issues, that I, I didn't drink. Yeah, but porn you get, was it's going to come out. It's going to come out somewhere. Somewhere. Yeah, you're lucky it wasn't gambling. Thank God. Or Thank drugs. God. So I, the, the porn was bad enough. Porn is bad. I, I, you know, I mean, it's hard for me to, especially now. I mean, you're talking, what, in the late 80s? We're talking, or 90s? Yep. Uh, I, for the first time I was ever exposed to porn was 12. And then I tried to watch every time I could. Because that's when Playboy TV was just out. And it, my parents had it on Yeah, the I was exposed to porn pretty, like, at 13 or 14. Maybe. Right. And you're just like. From Ooh. a videotape. Well, yeah, it's great. Dude, it's great. The rush, the whole thing. I'm it like, is kind of like that, isn't it? I forgot all my problems yeah. instantly. Yeah. And you're like, oh my God, and I got to get this again. And as time goes on, like it's harder to get when you're younger. And and also technology was different. Like, you know, then there was the, you, you got to rent the tapes or buy the tapes. But now, like, it's you're lucky you got it under control because oh, it's look, like, it's hard not to be watching porn. My God. On dude, the computer? They, dude, I got a text. Wait, wait. Somebody text my phone. This girl, it's like this picture of a girl with a breast hanging out talking about, oh, I'm just sitting alone. I'm going, how did they get my number? <laughs> how they know? Like, the porn is after you, man. <laughs> it's It's chasing you. <laughs> And I'm like, no, wait. About? Now, it's so funny because I even show my wife. I'm like, look, I don't know this person. Yeah, being on, I don't know what this is. On Instagram, right? No, this is a this was a text. A text. Oh wow. Message. Porn is getting through that. Spam. It's spamming yeah. messages yeah. where they're just messaging guys and oh, like, yeah. hey, guys, I'm hanging out. What are you doing right now? And I'm like, those, oh, this is oh, it's chasing it's you. evil, man. But oh, but I pervasive. see it now. I see through it. It's Thank tricky, God. man. It's tricky that one, you know, sex and porn addiction. But you, but that, so that started early on when, early. when you first got here, early. one way or the never other. Never told my wife. Never said. But it was mostly porn, not you know, not hookers and no, that shit. No, just nope. porn. Nope, just porn. Yeah, yeah. Somebody said something interesting to me. Uh, like my sponsor actually said once uh, that you know when you are compulsive sexually with porn, yeah. your primary sexual partner is you. Yeah. That's so wild, and dude, so, so sad, dude. You know what? But I have to say, it, it did. There weren't like prostitutes all over, but there was one incident. Yeah. And when I first did my first movie in Vancouver, yeah. Canada, I cheated on my wife at yeah. a massage parlor. Oh yeah, like, and that, uh, I thought I would never do that. Like the, what? The, what they call those rubbing tugs? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, really? That was okay. That was the one. Yeah. And I went. How did I do this? Funny. Like, could you in your mind, you're like, I'll never cross that threshold. Or, or else in your mind, you're just sort of like, yeah, what is it really? It's like, yeah. a, you know. You, 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 you we're know, not you, fucking. You justify. Sure, you rationalize. You rationalize. And Any- dude, I never, I promise, I said, I will never tell my wife. Yeah. I will never say anything. Yeah. And that was my dirty little secret for years, for years. A hand job. And I never went back. Hand- I never did it again. A hand job. A hand it. job. But I never did it again. <laughs> yeah. But I was like. But I knew the dirt. Like my wife was always like, "You ever do anything? Did you?" Ever? And I'm like, oh, oh. And I start an argument so we wouldn't talk about it. Well, that's the destructive part of it, isn't it? Oh, Covering the lie. Oh, and it just kept growing. Mm. Oh, dude. And it, 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 our marriage imploded around 2010, like yeah. early 2010 or late yeah. 2009. Yeah. And we call it D Day, and it was yeah. it was horrifying. I mean. I mean, she she kicked me out of the house. She was gone. Well, did, well how, but how did it uh, cu- culminate? Is that the word I want? Is it like, did, did you get 
caught or did you just tell her the truth in some I finally fight told of, her the truth. Okay. I, I never got caught. Right. But this so, was the deal. She was like, something's wrong. Like, with the, between the porn and the Yeah, she's like, something's the guilt. There's a there's a there's a wall here. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you have to keep it. Like this is the deal. Every man wants intimacy. Because you that's what you're really looking for. Yeah. But porn is an intimacy killer. Like sure. it keeps you like you said, you you're your own sexual partner. Yeah. So nobody's getting in there. Yeah, that's right. And what happened was, dude, she was like, I don't know what's wrong with you. I don't know what's going on. And finally, I was like, I told her. I mean, because I was tired of keeping a secret myself. Yeah, it mangles your insides. And she was like, what? Now, to me, I'm like, hey, that happened 10 years ago. But to her, it happened two seconds ago. Yeah. And she's like, get out of here. Get out of my house. You're done. Now with the porn though, was it like were you what, every day, hours a day kind no, of trip? No, or? it was it it would be no. But this is the deal. I spent a lot of time in hotel rooms. Oh yeah, right. On yeah, movies, right? The whole yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, ah, I'm done with that. I'm not going to do that again. And yeah. then like a couple of days later, you're like, oh boy, you're no, laying there. You're, what do you mean? You're laying hey, there. Hey man, time, yeah. time, and whatever. But yeah. I, let me tell you, once I quit porn, yeah. I got like five jobs, dude. <laughs> I started really? di- designing furniture. I started doing all because it was like, you, dude, you know, you know, all the time you waste. Yeah, yeah. like had, it reminded me sure. of people at the bar. You know, and, if you and, spend eight hours at the bar every yeah. day, you could have a whole nother job. Right, and also the energy that you release. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what they say put to better use. The truth is, sexual energy is creative energy. Sure, it's the same thing. Yeah. And I started creating businesses, having ideas. I was like, man, where has this been? But it was literally sapping that energy from my life. Well, like, so what did you do as a as a system of recovery? Did you do, like, a 12-step thing? I went to rehab, yes. Yeah. And I went to rehab, this place so, in Phoenix. So that's sort of, then you have to create, with sex, you have to create your own bottom line, right? Yep. Where, like, because sex is necessary, like food, so you have to kind of call yourself out. Yes. And I guess with porn is pretty easy, like, you know, do not jerk off to that. Right. But there's also other types of sexual acting out that you have to be aware of, right? Oh, dude, it, it was weird. <laughs> dude, I, I'm not going to say, like, yeah. it was, like, the colors in the sky were different. Yeah, I mean, no, I, absolutely. I was <laughs> just going, everything that I knew was different. And what I did, I we did a ninety day sex fast between me and my wife. Yeah, and that was crazy between like, the two of you between and, the two and of you us. and other stuff and the therapy and with therapists around yeah, the whole yeah. thing. And it was like, hey, listen, we're not gonna have sex. We're just gonna redate each other, mm. and you're gonna purify, like burn this thing out of you because what's happened is the endorphins and the and the, the dopamine rush that comes from that stuff. Oh, yeah. You get hooked on that stuff. I know, dude. And and it's a depression that happens because you're like, whoa. And it, I was all over the place. It's weird because it's also like this weird stress release thing. Yeah. Y- you know what I mean? It does really take you out of yourself. And also, if you go all the way through and you finish, you're like, you get the buzz. But you also, you know, you feel it's like, a, yeah, it's like a hit of dope or whatever. And then yeah. there's guilt. And then yeah. there's a, yeah. then it, then you do it to feel better, but then you feel guilty, so you feel worse. So to get better, you do it again. Yeah, and it's it's a it's a cycle, and yeah. then you always feel lonely, and, and you're always drained. You're lonely and you all gotta, the when, time when you don't want to fuck who you're with. You're like, I'm just tired. Oh, dude, and I already did it three times today. You, you see what I mean? And then it ruins it ruins your vision of yeah. what sex is. Yeah. And you so, lose intimacy, period. So, right. So, well, I mean, I'm not that great at intimacy anyways. Right. 
right? You know, like from the beginning of it. I mean, what, when you look back at your relationship, yep. were, were you ever good at that? I mean, no, was there, no, but, right? but but it didn't help. Like, like, no, right, no, I get it. But, but the key know. is, uh, this is the thing too, uh, you get more as you give more. Yeah, I know. You know what but, I mean? But there's something scary about intimacy To for some reason. Like, were you ever able to track... I mean, I mean, look, you grew up in one of those volatile households where, yep. you know, your dad's beating on your mom and when he comes home, you don't know what the hell to do. So you don't know what's going to happen next. So being vulnerable is risky. Yeah. Right? Very big. First of all, I, I peed in the bed, like, I, I, until I was like 14, 15 years old. Ugh. Because I was always, always Freaked didn't know out. what was going to happen. So... But he never I hit could, you, huh? No, no, he never did. I told you, my mother's like, I'll kill you. And there was a couple of times she stabbed him. I mean, really? there, we would come home to chaotic <laughs> scenes, police, blood, knives. Ugh. It's, you know, it's yeah. that kind of thing. Christmas is horrifying. <laughs> Christmas yeah. is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Like uh, Christmas around the holidays in my house yeah. was not a happy time. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, it, and it's weird because even now I have a lot of bad memories Troy's about Christmas. PTSD. It's crazy because you just go, oh, cause yeah. that's when the drunks get really, really weird. Yeah, yeah. And man, and so <laughs> there was so much stress, but this is the deal about mm. what I, I, I found. Mm. And this has broke me down because my wife actually accepted me back. Yeah. Because I thought if she discovered who I really was, she would hate me. Hmm. But the truth is, because she loved me, she was like, I wanted you just to reveal yourself She'd to been me. She's been waiting. She's been waiting. You understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. what I've been running for him yeah. was what I actually needed. Yeah. And so I was that blew me away, man. Like then I discovered by being vulnerable was the key to my salvation. It was like my salvation. Yeah. You know what I mean? By yeah. opening up, by yeah. actually revealing, by actually saying, I need this. Because you gotta understand, this is this is where men work. We get into a hole and we're too proud to say, Hey man, I need help. So you stuck in the hole. Yeah. But the only way out is to say, Help. Yeah. And scream it, yeah. But you're—that's too embarrassing. Yeah. So people die in the hole, Mark. I know. They die. I and know. I was on my way to dying in the hole. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? If you don't die physically, you die emotionally. So and you many become ways. bitter and. Yeah, I was working on this joke recently for my act about uh, how like they should have an app or something that translates what angry guys say <laughs> into to their women oh, into into truth where you're sort of like you don't fucking love me and, and the app the app says i love you very much <laughs> that's so real that's a great joke because that, that is actually the truth it is right it's yeah i yeah. said i mean i couldn't believe the most horrifying things i said and angry tyrant because again she would there were times she would come to me about so what are you doing about and I didn't want to reveal it so I'd start an argument yeah, oh and yeah. say something and say you some know foulish it, shit you, you say something it. foul you know it in your heart and you know it that you're fucking doing it you know it's it it's like you have two two yous inside it's crazy man it's, it's like it's, the, the other one I got is like you're fucking with my head and it, that means uh, I feel really close to you right now it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> But, these, but but this is the thing. That's what my therapist said. He said, dude, you have a double life. You split in two. Mm. And I was like, this is crazy. You know what? Once It's it's weird because it's almost like discovering that, wait a minute, uh, you think this, that the sun revolves around the earth, and then yeah. all of a sudden you realize, wait a minute, we go around the sun. Like right. everything is different. Well, yeah, once you have a key into that. But yeah, it just, it just reveals itself to me right now that the reason we have a split is because when you have to, to survive chaos, 
you have to put a personality in place that will do that. Exactly. You, you, you know, one way or the other. Yep. And, and so, like, the real you gets kind of not put on hold, but he gets, you know, behind the wall of this other thing that is just getting through emotional chaos, the right? S- the scary part is men, we, we can compartmentalize like no other. I mean, that's what we do. We 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 set this little box and and nobody can get through. And it's safe. Yeah, it's our safe spot until it isn't. Yeah, but you realize you think you're safe, but actually you're trapped. Yeah, you know what I mean? Because you're all alone. Now you you can't get out. Now you're like. You don't even know a way out. And you think you got a handle on everything. At that point where you can't even get out, you're like, I'm all right. You know, so you're in that hole talking about I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, you sound Dude, good. The Fuck ma- you. The, the Marlboro Man yeah. is that guy. Like yeah. that that poster. He's he's walking alone. Yeah, he's good. He's like yeah, I'm yeah. good. But uh, it's interesting though the thing that you say about women knowing this other part of us because they see it somehow despite our our you know, they see these moments of it exactly. where they're like they know that's you and now they're waiting you know like are you gonna do it or what yeah. you're not gonna do it they already know but you get but you obviously kind of stepped up you got five kids you're a yeah. good father and everything were you brought up with the religion I was uh, yeah. but my mother was super religious. Super religious. When I was a kid, I was not allowed to play sports. Yeah. Not allowed to go to the movies, listen to secular music. It was a thing called the Jehovah's Church of God in Christ. Oh, not Jehovah's Witness. No, we were a Pentecostal, where it was a lot of you know what they call holy rollers, where it was sure. a lot of really? emotional singing and dancing, yeah, people yeah. running through the aisles, speaking in tongues, uh, speaking in tongues, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. So what happened was. Everything was fear-based. Everything was shame-based. Right. Everything was like, no, why are you thinking that? And yeah. it's like, I don't, I'm a kid. I don't know. Uh, and so shame. it's shame. Yeah. It's shame, shame, shame. And that was the way to keep people in control. So you just shame them. It's like, hey, man, uh, shame on you for even thinking that way. Mm. And if you do that, you're going to go to hell. And, then, and, then, and I was like, and this was the crazy thing is. And then you internalize it, and that's your home base is shame. You shame yourself. Dude, you were, live in it. There were people in our church yeah. who would put their TV in the windowsill and yeah. watch the TV through the windowsill and then go to church and say, I don't have a TV in my house. <laughs> and you're like, what? That's crazy. That's, you, see, that's the level of religiosity and the trap of what this thing is. And you're like, wait a minute. But because we would say, they would say, you can't go to the movies. But we watch the same movie on TV. Yeah. And they would go, well, that, that's different. And going to the movies will get you to hell. I'm right. like, huh? What are you talking about? Yeah. And I always had these questions and I had nothing but questions. And they were like, shut up, man. Sit yeah. down. Shut up. And you your mom too many stayed questions. in that church? My mother, my mother eventually left when we were in high school. Yeah. And that's when I started playing, high, playing football again yeah. and kind of getting out of that. Yeah. But it's that religiosity was still there. You know what I mean? And yeah. then let me tell you something, man. I still, I believe in a higher power, yeah. man. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe I made myself. That's right. my thing. Yeah. But all this other stuff, the problem is all this other stuff. The shame thing. All this, all, people had to add a whole bunch of junk. And, yeah, but you got to understand, yeah. with addiction, shame fuels addiction. Shame fuels a lot of shit, no doubt. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, it's, no it, it totally fueled like pornography. You're like, no, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. Oh boy, oh my god. That's Look because that. it's like it's like a thing I saw in the movie the other night, and I forgot about it. But it's sort of true. Is that like the gambling addict is addicted to losing? That's it. So wow. right. That's so good. like, and it's like you sit there and you try to work that in your brain. Is that like if shame is your comfort zone? Yeah. 
you know, if your comfort zone is uncomfortable and That's horrible right. and I hate myself, right. you're always going to find a way to get there. Even when you know in your mind that you want to feel good and you yep. want to do the right thing, it's like you might be able to do that, but it feels so fucking uncomfortable. It's just like you're going you're gonna to fuck yourself eventually. You, you know, it's, it's like putting a tuxedo on a pig. Yeah. The pig's going to go back to the slop. Right. If, he feel, if you feel like you're a pig. Yeah. You can't help but go to your level of water. A lot of, a lot of pigs in tuxedos in this town. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But as soon as you realize you're not a pig, yeah. now you start to step out. But that takes, you got to forgive yourself. You got to process shit. You got to make the amends. You know, you got to clean your side of the street, right? Hey, man, but we're in the shame culture right now. Hey, man, yeah. you can't say nothing without getting shamed now. Now it's like, oh, shame on you, man. Listen, that's the way people feel. People feel like there's nothing wrong with shaming other people. It's like, literally, this is my job to make sure you know how to be politically correct. or this and this. So it's shaming everybody. You right. shouldn't be doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. What are you doing? Listen, man, I went to Shanghai for the holiday. Okay, Shanghai, Shanghai China. I always yeah. wanted to go. you never been there? I've never been. Great. Always wanted to go. Good it was time? fantastic. Why that place? Because I, I wanted to go somewhere that was totally off the grid. You like, want- like. East, west. I had never been that far east. Yeah, you went with the family. Went with the family. I yeah. took them all. But I was shamed. People were like, "What are you doing in China? Do you know what they're doing to the Muslims? You know what they're doing in really? Hong Kong? You know what I'm going? Huh? Dude, it caused a controversy, and I'm sitting there like, wait a minute. So, it, okay, first of all, I'm in China, but Apple's here too. Nike's here too. Like, so you're never gonna use your iPhone again? Yeah. You know what I mean? I was like, why? why? Well, and why are they taking all the anger out on you? Because they feel powerless against Nike and Apple. Yeah. And you're just a guy on vacation. And I'm just a guy on vacation. But you can be bro. made an example of. Exactly. And that and that's a shame him. Shame him. Yeah. Shame on you. And I'm going, hey man. But first of all, and this is Americans who thirty years ago, if I'd have been trying to do the things I'm doing right now, I'd have been lynched. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to tell you. Yeah. Hey man, when I was a kid, we would go down south. We couldn't stop. My, we would put a chicken in the, uh, a whole chicken, cooked chicken in the trunk, and a Hills Brothers coffee can. Because when we got hungry, we just ripped off a piece of chicken. If we had to pee, we peed in the Hills Brothers coffee can because we knew it wasn't safe for us to stop. No restaurants, no hotels. Right. So stop coming to me about oh my god, human rights abuses. I'm like, wait, man, this is America. Yeah. Wait a minute. Do you, you understand what this country is? Right. You're not getting any shame from the black community? Oh, I've, I've been shamed by the black community. Yeah. Big time. I, I've been viewed as a sellout. People say, because you're smiling on TV. Yeah. Uh, hey, man. Uh, well, I, I'm happy. You, oh, you're going to be the happy Negro, huh? <laughs> really? you going to shuck for the man, cooning. And I'm going, okay. Wow. So we can't be happy. <laughs> so I must be an angry black man at all times. So it, unless I'm not, I'm not standing for the cause. Right. And so you go, oh, okay. And then you realize, dude, this is like, no what can I say, that. man? There's no, no like, yeah, you got. It's the same thing like you said about your family. At some point, you got to create some space for yourself. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So when did the first gig start happening? Like when did you get the first TV gig? I first of all, I was bouncing. I, I worked my way from the sweeping floors to bouncing, and then a friend of mine invited, bouncing, of course. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a friend of mine invited me to uh, uh, an audition first, yeah. and he was like, "Dude, you got a good look." Now people have been coming up to me a lot, lot like, "Dude, you got a good look. Yeah. You should try acting." I was like, "Oh, whatever, man." I was trying to get behind the scenes. A friend of mine invited me to this thing. It was a show called Battle Dome, which was like American gladiators on steroids. Yeah. We were t- putting people in the hospital. 
the first thing I ever auditioned <laughs> for, I got because it was kind of football, you know, yeah. like yeah. it was light actually. So it was like a reality, one of the early reality sports show. Yes, yes, but we were. It was called, you know, we were like our log line was Battle Dome, yeah. real, real warriors, real pain. <laughs> yeah, and so we were putting in our people in the hospital. Man, people were getting knocked out on the show. People were dislocating arms, legs, <laughs> and the, the show only went. Two years, I got sued three times. Oh my god! By different contestants because they were like, "He put me in the hospital." And was there was like, no rules. There was no. It was oh, like Wild West back then. Well, it, it, it was really crazy. Yeah. It was, and they wanted. It was that kind of thing. They wanted that. Yeah. Until they couldn't yeah. handle it. Yeah. And then I first movie I ever auditioned for was a movie called The Sixth Day with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And I got that. Doing what? And I was like a, a a a bad guy in the movie. Me, Michael Rooker, a bunch of people, and we were trying to kill Arnold. Mm. And it was a kind of a whack movie. It was it was yeah, all right. But you had some lines. But that's the movie I went to Vancouver to do. It uh, ended up in the massage parlor. Yeah, yeah. But that was my first year because I, I again you get imposter syndrome too. Two thousand. You know what I mean? Yeah, you get imposter syndrome. Oh, You're yeah. like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, I shouldn't be here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then interesting. Stressful. Right. You're like, you're like, I don't deserve this. I'm like, this is like, like I don't even. I'm not even an actor. Yeah, I didn't not, go to acting school. I'm an, I didn't I'm know. What a piece of shit. I am. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. And then you go back. Yeah. Into some dirty stuff. You know what I mean? I guess that's true. Yeah. I guess it always sort of goes to that. Unless it's like, yeah. I, it's weird though, because you often wonder like, what if I had nobody to judge myself against? Like, what if it was just you alone? Like, you had no wife. And you had no kids. Yeah, would you still feel like an asshole? No, no. In fact, that <laughs> first of all, the only thing people, the only way you could tell you're an asshole is by other people. Yeah, is your relationship to other people, and you kind of need it, right? Yeah, yeah. But first of all, if you ever see somebody all by themselves, oh, they're the biggest asshole. <laughs> <laughs> if they stay that way, yeah. yeah. Well, either they're sad or they're an asshole. There's nobody to really tell you. Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, either it's a sad story or it's a it's a angry story. Oh, it's bad. But uh, all right, so so then it just starts out then, and then you start going right. But you're doing a lot of these kind of these roles of like that that fit your physique at, at first. You, you, it's the way you look. It's like one time it's so funny. I, I had Danny Trejo on my show. Yeah, and like you know, he played my sponsor, my AA sponsor. I played his AA sponsor, <laughs> and he had, we had a lot of dialogue, right? Uh-huh. And he's like, he can't get the lines. He's like, man, this is more dialogue than I've had in every movie I've ever done in the last ten years. <laughs> And he looks at me, he goes, they hire me for my face. (laughs) Well, you know, they were trying to put me in that. Yeah, right. For years. At first it was bad guys and big brutes. And then then I want, but I wanted to be funny because you got to understand, even in one of my stress relievers was always been comedy. Yeah. And I mean, being funny in the locker room, being funny at home, I was... You know, at school, yeah. I was always j- cracking jokes, sure. doing my thing. That's how that's how people who grow up in chaos make things easier. That's the way, dude. We, I mean, you if you look that? at all the comedians, it's got to be you got to. You know, the funniest guys come from the most intense. Did pain. you have to make your dad laugh? I did. Yeah, <laughs> I did. <laughs> hey, look at that nigga right there. He's funny. Ah! You know, and that was the thing, just to mm. get him off me. Right, like, get them off me. Stop, yeah. just you know, you're gonna get before you start hitting people and getting hitting my mother. Yeah. Let's let's laugh. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Was crazy. Look at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would do the robot for the whole family. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, oh. But then what happened was I was doing this, these movies and stuff, and all, and all of a sudden, my first funny role was Friday After Next with Ice Cube, and the willingness to go that far in that movie, and then all of a sudden. I started to get noticed. Yeah. And 
for comedy stuff. Right, right. And it just kept going. And right. then, you know, white chicks hit big, and I did a movie called Malibu's Most Wanted, and the director was like, I was I was in the background, the director was like, hey, man, that's hilarious. Put him up here, pull him up. And, oh, I was, yeah. and that's what happened. It was like people were like, you're big, but, but you're funny. funny. You got a, and you got, weird, you got weird things. They you never got, saw anything like that. Like, yeah, yeah. I have, I'll be honest with you. Muscle and comedy didn't mix. Yeah. You know, Joe Piscopo tried it, and it was like, okay, <laughs> he's yeah. too muscular. Well, that is a little weird. It, it was weird. <laughs> but yeah. see, when I did it, I was kind of lampooning what masculinity was. So, I mean, even from Old Spice yeah, all yeah. the way up, and I was like, comedy is going to be my thing. And yeah. uh, I love it, man. The Old Spice I, commercials are weird, man. Oh, weird, but like, hilarious. I, it was, like, and I didn't realize, like, I remember yours, and then, like, I saw Dion. He's on, Dion Cole's on him now, Yeah, right? yeah. And I was watching one of these, a couple of these commercials, and I, because I do comedy too, and I saw them over at the comedy store. I'm like, what the fuck do those commercials mean? Is it is it a black thing? Am I missing something? <laughs> and he's like, no, dude, this uh, is weird. It is weird. It's weird. It, it, it's just, that's the thing. You forgot. You never forgot it. No, I didn't. It burns in your memory. But you I know felt know like I, mean? I was missing some cultural cue. Yeah, you're you like, is that where, am I out of here? What's I'm, going I'm on? I'm still not going to use Old Spice, but, yeah. like, you know, <laughs> but the commercial sticks with you. Yeah, oh, no, sure. that was the whole point. I'm working with Marlon right now. He's a funny guy. Marlon, Marlon Wayans. Dude, the Wayans family. <laughs> you love them? I love those guys, yeah. man. They, they, I mean, they're responsible for so much comedy, so many people getting their shots. I mean, they're a billion dollar you know, movie family. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're yeah. like the Jacksons of comedy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they, they were the gatekeepers for me. And they let me in. How many know? times? How many movies did you do with them? Well, I did. I did just white chicks, but we've right. done Damon. Uh, I did a Damon show, my wife and yeah, kids, yeah, 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 and the whole yeah. thing. But but some of the biggest things that I've ever done We're that went them. viral yeah. was from him. And then him and now Adam Sandler gave me a career. Oh yeah, like they gave me a start. But Sandler, I've done like what, seven, the longest yard. Yeah, longest yard. Click. Uh, uh, the ridiculous six. Yeah. Um, we just did I mean, it was Sandy Wexler. Oh, I mean, yeah. I've done like seven movies with him. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? He's yeah. my man. He's always called me up and like, yo, dude, come on, man. We got another one. We yeah. did Blended in South Africa. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's always got something funny for me. Oh, that's nice. Oh, it's good. But it's the, good. but Everybody Hates Chris was the, that was the real, that dug you in, right? Got you your health insurance and that was kept the, it. Well, the thing is, my wife, yeah. again, because I wanted to do movies. I was Back in the day, I was like, I'm just going to be a movie star. Right, she was right, like, honey, right. honey, honey, we need to get this money. She was like, you got to do TV. We got to do TV. TV is the one. how many kids you got at that point? At that point, it was four. Yeah. And she was like, we got to do television. And at the time, television wasn't what it was. Mm. You know what I mean? It was kind of like, you could end up on a little wax sitcom and be like, ugh. But everybody hates Chris. But you could make more money then. But that was the thing. You could make the money. And what was wild is uh, I did Longest Yard and Chris Rock. We were promoting the movie. He said, man, I got something for you. Because he was watching me the whole time. Yeah. And I get this script in the mail. Everybody hates Chris. And I read the pilot, and it was hilarious. Yeah. And I said, holy cow, this is the, this is the shit right here. And you could play a grown man. Yeah, yeah I with, was like a the, father and a whole real deal. Real character, emotional range. And it wasn't, and it wasn't degrading. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right, like, right, The right. key on TV, yeah. you just don't want to be degrading. Because right. most of it at the time, yeah. you you felt, you, you you had to sell a little bit of your heart. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, oh. yeah. Right, and that wasn't, the, that wasn't the deal there. No, Everybody's Chris was classic. Yeah. Classic. To this day, it's still one of the best things out there. Yeah, I know. I think you're right. I mean, I think and people really like the show. Yeah. I think, but like the, I think I, I always knew who you were, but that when I saw Idiocracy, that was like, it was too much, man. Oh, that was wild. Well, you know, I, I just, I just did White Chicks, 
And you got to understand, when Mike Judge, yeah. when we I auditioned for that thing, I went in for Mary Venue, I auditioned for that sucker probably seven, eight it, For times Idiocracy? For Idiocracy. Yeah. But what was happening is they had big, big names, but nobody knew who I was. But I knew this religious stuff. Right. You see what I mean? The, the and, Pentecostal shit. Well, yeah. But, but the thing is, the, he is a scammer. Yeah. And the whole deal is, and I knew so many preachers like that where they could do, I, I, I tell you, what we need, we need to come through. And you need to be who you want to be. And I see what I just said meant nothing. Yeah, right. But because it was enthusiastic and emotional, yeah. everybody would get it. But I said, and Mike Judge was like, that is it. And I got the part. And little did we know it would be prophetic. Classic. We had no idea. And, be, and, and you know, it failed. It some prophecy to it, too. It, it was know. only in two theaters. It, no, it, I know, it, I know. It, it was I, failed miserably. I thought it was going to be my big hit movie. And I was so depressed. They were like, hey, what happened to that movie you did? I was like, uh, I don't know. It's a great uh, movie. I think it would have been even better with a little more money. Oh, no. Yeah, we had nothing. We and, did yeah, cause like nothing. Because the conceit of it was great. It was amazing. Yeah. But Mike has always been like that. No, I know. I know. Think about yeah, everything great. Mike does, it's later. Yeah, it's great. You yeah. get it later. Office space. All of legendary. it. Legendary. All of it. No, I thought, and also that like in, in terms of how society you know, as a satire of culture, I mean, it proved to be very foretelling. It was. You know, like. When Time Magazine Dak called Shepherd, me. Dax Shepard, Baton. Wait, what, I remember during the election of with, with, between Trump and Hillary, yeah. and, and pe people, they were like, yo mama, no, yo mama. Yeah. I was like, holy, this is idiocracy. Yeah. They were literally talking about people's mothers. Yeah. In the campaign. Yeah, crazy. I was like, this is crazy. It's crazy, man. No. Oh. But yeah, but that's the intelligence of Judge. But I love that guy you played. That was great. But then Camacho. Just, yeah, Camacho. <laughs> but then you just like, it seems like you sort of do runs in all these different shows. Like you've had like a lot of different things like, you know, after on TV where you do a few episodes sometimes. Are yeah. we there yet? What is that one? That was, I did a hundred episodes of Are We There Yet? Which was a, a TV show based on Ice Cube's movie. Are we there yet? Oh, and and what was it that failed miserably. It, it, it was in that Tyler Perry model where you do a hundred to get the syndication. Oh, so that was the deal. I moved to Connecticut. We shot them all in Connecticut. We did. We shot three a week. Yeah. Did it go into syndication? Oh, it did, but it was just it was nothing. Like it, dude. You talking about? Sounds like a lot of work. Oh, it, it was, but it was my chance. Right. It was like I could be the main guy, but it was horrible. I mean, it do was you even have a real audience? No. Okay. No, but, but it was a huge a, disappointment. They had a laugh track? Dude, it was laugh track all over. In fact, while we were doing it, they, TBS stopped airing it while we were shooting it. Yeah. And it was just like ab abandoned. That and, was, But that model didn't hold, did it? Oh, no. Because they did it with Charlie Sheen, too. And it's yeah. just like, they really, I think they uh, underestimated people's, it's it's hard to underestimate people's intelligence in this uh, in this culture. <laughs> yes, it is. Because you just they assume did. they're stupid. But they did. They weren't that stupid. No, no. And that's the deal. I remember saying, hey, this joke could be better. And they were like, looking at me like, dude, what are you talking yeah, about? Doing 100 What are you talking about? You go back to work. And I was like, well, oh, oh, my God. Dude, I'm going to tell you how bad it was. I wanted to go do Expendables 2. And they See, I didn't even know there were three Expendables. I know, I know. There were three. I, I wanted to go do Expendables 2. They promised me I could. Yeah. I got in there, and they were like, no, you can't do it now because you're doing uh, Are We There Yet? I said, okay, yeah. check it out. I'll do 10 episodes for free Yeah. if you let me go do Expendables. And they were like, okay. Right. So I ended up shooting 10 episodes of Are We There Yet for free 
so that I could go do my movie because I knew that was only my only way back into my career. Oh, you know what I mean? Because yeah, no one's yeah. watching the show. Yeah. So I said, oh, if I do Expendables 2, at least I can get some heat. Yeah. Because you got to keep the fire. It's, it's almost like keeping a flame. Yeah. Your yeah. whole career is this little fire that yeah. uh, you that just true? don't yeah. want to go out. Right. It's, like, it's like a little wick. And it got real dim. Well, the Expendables is a, is a whole cast of those people, dim wicks. Yeah. <laughs> My, that was look, you said it. Okay. I didn't. Uh, I'm gonna put it like, on a t-shirt. That though. was a, a reigniting. Is this so real? <laughs> the reigniting of a, <laughs> quite a few dim wicks. Exactly. There. And then all of a sudden, it just went poof. <laughs> you know what I mean? The light of many dim wicks. Oh, that's is it. Bright. It's very bright. Expendables. <laughs> but, the dim wicks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you did. It must have been kind of exciting to work with those guys. Oh man! It was just, first of all, come on. Hey. Eric now. Roberts, Mickey, hey, right? Right then. I mean, Stallone. Yeah. Come on, man. Stallone. I mean, you grew up with that shit, right? It was amazing. But a uh, uh, little bit. I am, the. I have to say, too, yeah. on top of everything, I'm right. the most grateful man in this town <laughs> yeah. to be doing what I'm doing, dude. Okay, man, I've had bad jobs. I swept floors. You see what I mean? People have watched you have uh, bad yeah. jobs. <laughs> they seen it. They seen it. So... I mean, <laughs> is it really that bad? Like, no. like first of all, what I no. thought, no. when you think something's going to kill you, it yeah. doesn't. Usually, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, people people aren't really thinking about you. Everybody got their own bills. That's they got usually, their own thing. That's usually true. You know what I mean? I, I started to put too much on it. You yeah. know, you're like, oh, no, if we don't do this thing, it's all perfect. Hey, man, people it don't all, care. It goes away, dude. It goes away fast. fast. People only remember your success. Yeah, or if you really fail big. Or, or, or if you do something corrupt. You're stupid, yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, you know. Infamy. <laughs> that's yeah, either, it. Either you're famous or you're infamous. That's it. Like, you know, if you're Harvey Weinstein, yeah, uh, you will be infamous. There's your, there's Can you a, imagine all the movies he's ruined? There's a pig in a tuxedo. Just think about think about <laughs> all the memories. Mm. Like, it's like Bill Cosby. Mm. I love the Cosby show, man. Yeah. And I can't watch it. Uh, well, I it's, mean, it's or gone. the records or the records or anything. It's the, gone. I mean, the comedy record. Some guy did a funny joke the other night. His name's Taylor. I can't remember his last name. He's a comic. He goes, yeah, I've been, he says, I've been doing comedy for about seven years. It's going really well. I'm making more money doing comedy than Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> that is wrong. That's real, though. That hurts. It does, man. That hurts, man. Good joke. I can't remember. Why can't I remember people's last name? Yeah. So, but what about this this gig you got now? Seems like a pretty sweet gig. Hey, you I like it. I decided to start hosting. Uh, you know, a lot hosted, of people are doing that. Yes. I hosted Millionaire. Yeah. Uh, to learn my way through. Yeah. And because uh, see, I'm not a comedian, but I love. It's the so funny energy. though because you've done all these bits on like Portlandia, Drunk History, yeah, yeah. You know, like you did Arrested Development. I mean, you're a known guy, but hosting's a it's a comfortable gig. It seems for some people who can do it. I love it. I would I, first of all, I would do AGT for free. It's that really? good because you gotta understand. You helping people? It's the biggest talent show in the world, and mm. now I'm a, I'm gonna take you back, Mark. Yeah. I hosted my high school talent show because my mother wouldn't allow me to perform in it. Really? Because she was religious. Right. Is that true? Though? And I, and that's why true. I why would I doubt that? She, she would not yeah. allow. She was like, "You ain't gonna be out there shaking your ass for no people." And then, and then, and then. I was like, "But Cause it's, okay, because it's evil. Because right, sinning. Because it's sinning." Mm. And I said, "But can I host it? What is the sin exactly? Pride? I don't know. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> it's just yeah. You know what? That's it. Like you're gonna get all this light, and the right. light should be on Jesus. Right. And it's like, right. okay, well, you know what? Yeah. Nobody can win that game. But but my thing was, let me host it. And she was like. Damn it! Okay, and okay. she let me host it, hmm. 
And so I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to be this personality. But another thing is, is that AGT satisfies this need for the crowd. For one, you only play football for the audience. Mm. You literally, I mean, it's a lot of pain. But that cheers, those whole things, is very addictive. Like most comedians are addicted to the crowd. They're addicted to, you know, what that gives. It's that energy. It's that it's, it's also, you don't know what's going to happen. It might win. You might lose. Yeah. But you're, it's a bit of a gambler. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel that way doing AGT. You mm. don't know what's going to happen, especially when it's live. Yeah. You're hosting. They give you the keys to NBC for two hours. Yeah. And you, it's in your hands. Yeah. Anything can you, happen. You drive. It's satisfying <laughs> when it goes well, You're but there's some times the when it's like, oh, yeah. man, this thing could crash hard. And also, for some, it's inspirational to people, that particular thing. It's beautiful. And it's like even with football, like I knew a guy who I used to work with, Frank Santarelli. I used to do a show with him. And he, you know, he's a football fan. I told him, he's, I said, uh, I said, I don't really watch sports at all. And he goes, Well, then, how do you feel alive? So like, <laughs> but you know what, Mark? I don't it, watch sports either. I know, but like what you're saying about football right. and about the audience, and like the, for, for whatever it's worth, it does give people, you know, a, a sort of uh, connection and something to to be excited about. And I think America's Got Talent. It's inspir- it's inspiring to people because it makes people, you know, whether they can or not, think that they can. You know, use the talent and be be something. You hey, know? it's made superstars. Yeah, it's ma- it literally turns people into superstars overnight. I first of all, how many of them hold on to it? I don't. You know, there's a few. I mean, there's a few. Was well, well, gen- first of all, Terry Fader. Yeah. He's huge in Vegas. Is, what, Terry what, Fader makes millions of dollars a year. He was one of the. He was a puppeteer. He's a ventriloquist. He's got a show going on. Around, he's still in Vegas making. Was hundreds Jennifer of Hudson of America's Got Talent? No, she was on Idol. Um, Idol. Yeah, she was on Idol, but That's she didn't it. win it. She didn't win Idol. I'm but working she, with her now. She's something. Huh? She's a. She, we did Sandy Wexler together. Yeah. I've, I've got to work with a lot of great people, but these kind of shows. Yeah. I mean, we need them. Mm. We need them. Mm. I mean, where else can you get a 70-year-old singer or a 6-year-old singer or a comedian? Yeah. All of, and it's kind of like reminds me of Ed Sullivan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, It's a modern-day Ed Sullivan. Yeah, except that I think Ed Sullivan was dealing with professional performers. Right. Yeah. Right. But, yeah. but we want – got to understand, America wants blood. America <laughs> wants to watch you fail. I, I know. They want to see it all happen yeah. – in yeah. real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't, Ooh. yeah, yes. Ooh. If it, listen, yeah. first of all, if it went perfect, it's boring. No, I know, yeah. They want to see, oh, he fell. Do people you think fail on purpose sometimes? Uh, I think, uh, you know what? Is that no. How, they, I, they don't got the shame disease? I, I don't. They're going to they go out there and fuck it up to I be don't. infamous? Because, you, you know, you if you do it, if you mm. fail on purpose, you won't even make the edit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Okay, I mean, you, you can, still got to get at You, you still got to make it you to tell. the shot. If you're going to fail on purpose, you better be good at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, it, yeah. you can kind of see what's manufactured. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people are like, eh. Uh-huh. Believe me, I, I, I'm back there with the axe. Yeah. And I literally am I'm there with them the whole time. And you, we've had a couple people who come in there, and you're like, okay, they're coming to set up. So this uh-huh. is a setup. Yeah. You know, and it never makes it. Yeah. So as part of your evolution to, uh, you know, the kind of like, so you, you, you hit the wall, what was it, as you say, 2010 yeah. with the, everything else. And then you also were, you know, one of the only few, very few men that came out to sort of address me too from your point of view. That's it. You know, that you, you that the position, because I talked about it with my producer, you know, remembering, you know, wh- what you did and what you cop to. 
that, you know, that that position, abuse of power in that situation where the power dynamic is imbalanced, it's not gender specific. Hey, man. It doesn't I, have to be. You got to understand, too, uh, when when I did that. I what had, happened? There were a ton of men who turned on me. Like, they were like, what the hell? You're too big. Well, what happened? Well, this agent, yeah, Adam Bennett, who was the head of the motion picture department yeah. at William Morris Endeavor. Yeah. I'm at a party. Yeah. With me and my wife, yeah, and he comes up to me and he grabs my balls in front of your wife, in front of my wife, everything, and he's la- I'm like, yo, and I push him back, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing, man? And he starts laughing. He comes back at me again, and I'm like, yo, I push him back again, yeah. And his, his wait, his wife is there too, huh. and we're in this circle of packed white people, yeah. Okay, yeah. rich white people yeah. at a party, yeah. And I'm like, and I'm looking around, and I'm going to knock this dude into another world. Yeah. But my wife, years early, yeah, she seen me throw people over her head before. Yeah. Oh, really? She made me promise. She said, Terry, yeah, you gotta understand if you ever get baited, everything, you gotta promise me you're not gonna go get violent because you're gonna get shot, or you're gonna get put you, you're gonna put put in jail. Yeah. And we'll lose everything. Right. Again, my wife is smart. Yeah. She sees all the stuff before yeah, it happens. Right. She knows somebody's going to get me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And at that moment, I looked at her, and she looked at me like, right. And we walked. Now, you got to understand, had to Mark, eat, to eat that. I felt like the biggest failure of all time. And I was going to do a Terminator. I literally was going to drive back through the club in the car. So it insulted everything you were made of. Hey, man. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. I just let this white dude yeah. get away with that. Yeah. Like, and he's laughing, and he's just thinking like, huh? And he's at my agency, and I went. Now you gotta understand, people were like th- thinking I kept this a secret. I called everybody the next day. The next day, I went right to the agency. Like, hey man, this dude did this, and they were like, oh, oh, whoa, we're gonna do something about. Oh my god, yeah. And I was like, what are y'all doing about this dude? He was high. He was on something. I don't was know he, what was going was on. He, was he like, was it a come on, you think, or what? I or, have or no idea. He just, thought just it was, what? I don't know what he thought. He he yeah. broke that boundary yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, what you gonna do about it? Yeah. And that's what their whole attitude was. I'm, I had to sit down with Ari Emanuel, the head of the agency. I'm like, hey man, I said, First of all, you demanded Mel Gibson be kicked out of Hollywood for anti-Semitic remarks, but this dude assaulted me. Yeah. So what you gonna do with your boy? Yeah. It's different, Terry. Yeah. I was like, what? What does that mean? Yeah. What does that mean? Well, I know you're Jewish, but is it different because I'm black? Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And he was like, you look, Terry, do what you gotta do. Because the dude was a partner. Yeah. And he's like, he ain't gonna, they ain't gonna do shit. Make your make your move, bro. Yeah. I said okay, so I spent four hundred thousand dollars of my own money, and I said, you know what? I'll spend a million dollars to win one dollar. That was a moment I dropped the mic and I said, "This is it." You sued him. I sued him. Yes, I went. They we went straight to court, and then they, we had all these like little meetings and all this stuff. Like, well, Terry, what do you want? I said, I don't want. I want you gone. Yeah. I said, I don't want any money. I said, you gotta go. You cannot go. You can't molest somebody and go to work the next day. Yeah. And dude, you gotta understand. I gave them months to work this out. Months. Yeah. And when it all, when this whole Harvey Weinstein thing started happening, I got PTSD. I snapped. I was on the set of Brooklyn Nine Nine, and I started tweeting. And you remember, I didn't even name the guy. Yeah. 
I was like, this thing happened to me. Yeah. And people were like, what? Terry Crews? I was like, dude, I, it was right there. And I broke it all the way down in all these tweets. And then I shut my phone down and I, I was at peace. You understand? <laughs> it was like a snap. Like, a, it, it literally, I can only imagine. It was like a spring went, and you just got. Yeah, and you, I could, I felt the rush. I felt it was there. like I was right back there. Yeah, and I remember having to eat that and getting in the car and going home. And I never recovered. Yeah, until I I sent them tweets. It was like pow, I'm yeah. done. And then what happened? And then my world was different. My world changed. Everybody was like, "What you know?" Men were mad. They were like, "You are what?" It was there was some previous relationship between y'all. I mean, people were making up shit. People were doing all that stuff. And then I first of all, I never revealed them. And then I started, started finding out what Hollywood was like. Yeah. And Hollywood has this game where they play like, oh, everyone's peace and diversity and the whole thing until it really gets down to it. Right. Until the, the, you got a it's, mad <laughs> black man. Exactly. You know what I mean? Demands and accusations. Well, I didn't even make a demand. Yeah. I was just like, yo, this dude did this. And they were like, uh, that's impossible. You're too big. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, it was wild because Variety revealed him. Yeah. And it was there. They were working in conjunction with William. I got oh, threatened. Oh, I see. I, see, I remember. I, I came out on. I, so they I, they called out their dogs. Oh, they called it out. They, yeah, yeah. And then I went on, on uh, Good Morning America with Mike Strayan, and the next day, I had all these this tabloids uh, coming at me like they're going to reveal some secret story about, about me. And I was like, man, I put it on my Twitter, and I put the. They said I had prostitutes and and uh, Monaco and the whole thing, and I was on a second honeymoon with my wife. And I was like, dude, this Hollywood machine is scary because this is the deal. You think as an you think as an artist that people are hearing all these. Well, where are they getting this from? It's your agent giving that shit out. They are the ones that's keeping you in line. Mm. You said, I remember being a bodyguard. Yeah. And what happens is when these bodyguards and bouncers get around, what they do is they go beat up an innocent guy and then run back to you and go, oh, man, he was going to kill you, boy. Yeah. And they go, oh, oh, I love you. I'll keep you forever. And that's how you get paid. Yeah. This is why agents do the same thing, too. <laughs> they literally create these things like, oh, look, look. And they're the ones telling these guys all your stuff. And then stuff. they're like, I'm going to save you from this. I'll get and you I, out of this. Yeah, we'll get you out. Dude, come on, man! It's the it's the hustle. It's 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 as bad as crack game. It's as bad as all this stuff. So, and I started revealing this stuff. Yeah, because I was going on Twitter, just Twitter, Facebook. I was revealing all this stuff, and people were like, "He's going crazy. He's nuts." But I was like, "Hey, man, I know exactly what's going on," and I, I said, "I'm not letting you get away with any of it." And how did it end up? Oh, he quit. He had to go. Yeah. Finally, finally, <laughs> I got a call from William Morris. Like, you know what? We're gonna let him go. Yeah. Because what happened was, and this is the thing, there were several other people came out and joined my case. No now, kidding. they weren't willing to be named. Right. But we, I was like, let's go to court, bro. You want to go all the way? Let's go. And there were several other people that he did the same thing to. Huh. And they were like, okay, we got it. And they quit. But they were ready to fight. But see, that's the game. If you're, if you're willing to quit, they're willing to just step on you. Right. But I wasn't willing. I was like, I'm going to take this all away. I don't care. The career was over. I was already, I went home, told my wife how it was done. Yeah. We'll do something else. Right. I mean, that was it. Yeah. But but you stuck in there. I did. And, I, I, I have to say, though. Are you still with Because WMB? my wife told me. No, I'm not. Oh, no, no, no. 
<laughs> I left. Uh, I left right away. <laughs> but my wife told me. But see, this is what blew my mind. Yeah. My wife said, "Terry, every woman has ever has always been through this. Mm. See, this is the thing. Every woman has been. Women get molested all the time. Yeah. And they got to go to work. Yeah. Women get this all the day. And she was telling me what to do. She was like, "Listen." You know what? This happened to me when I was in. Dinner. I was going, "What in the Why, world? Why didn't you tell me?" <laughs> yeah, wait, man. I had my daughters were telling me, "Yeah, dad, this is in." I'm going, "What? Yeah, what?" But women go through this all day, yeah. and I was like, "But what happened was, and this is the best thing yeah. about what's happened." Yeah, I took what was normally a 2D women's issue, and we made it a 3D issue, right? Because what happened was all these men started coming out about what happened to them. We had wrestlers. We had major like. Uh, uh, wrestlers that were in the Olympics and the whole thing coming out about their team doctors that were molesting them. Yeah. Uh, all these players from high school and colleges that were getting molested in college. Dude, this happens. Yeah. Happens a lot. Yeah. And what I mean is, it's just because I didn't beat the guy up, did that mean I wasn't molested? Like, even if I did, boom, 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 boom. Does that mean you didn't put your hands on me? Yeah, you did. And that affects me. You know what I'm saying? You yeah. crossed that boundary. You know what I mean? And and my thing is, men were like, it, it really highlighted the fact that guys were coming back in, in their past, and they're like, yeah, I remember when I was I was a pledging for this fraternity, and they made us get naked, and it was men. Yeah, you freeze up, man. It, it, and, and the military, their yeah. military was talking about, people were coming up like, hey, man, I, I remember that, because you block it out, we compartmentalize. And in that moment, you know, the reason why, you know, unless you're, you, you go most, the alternative to not striking back it's just seizure. That's it's it. just like, what? That's it. But but then also you go back and say that didn't happen. Hmm. You can we can literally go ah. Uh, people go that was no big deal. Yeah, right. And you push right. it out of your head. Right. But that you but that guy did it. He did do it. So it, how long was this whole like process before it all leveled off? Like oh a, my, a was, year. It was about. It took two years straight. And, and it did, and your career's thriving. You're good. I survived, man. And that guy's probably still in show business. I survived. Yeah, yeah, right. He just moved off. <laughs> like, he re- just moved off. Like relocating priests. Exactly. He's, he's right. At a, he's at another he's agency. He's somewhere else. He's at another agency. He's doing something. He's, he's Listen, as long as I don't run into him, I'm good. All right. It's great talking to you, man. Oh, my. It's good, man. Glad, Thanks for doing glad it. Glad to be here. Okay, that's it. That is it. Good talk. Enjoyed it. You can, if you want my tour dates, you can go to wtfpod.com slash tour for venue and ticket information for all of my winter tour dates. Um, Delray's excited. I'm excited. Looking forward to uh, getting out there. I got to get my set back into my head. Before the special comes out in March, I wanted to... uh, tour this set a couple more times but i recorded this special so some part of me is like dump that material just you know de- deleted it from the hard drive got to reprogram it and put some of the new stuff in got some new shit going got some new jokies some new stories some new ideas uh and i'll see you out there oh I'm, i did not learn any new chord progressions but i i'm gonna play guitar Wow, <laughs> wow,